Hello and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and beside me is Ben and we thank you for joining us as we talk about our passion for the past while being young at heart. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate the show where you get your podcast and share the love. We're on iTunes, Google Play, as well as Stitcher and we're both really happy to come to you guys from Spotify now. You can find us on Spotify and who wouldn't love all their jams and podcasts all in one place be sure to rate (laughs) and review as it always helps us grow anyway coming into you this week on young nostalgia episode 19 we're going to be talking about some prominent conspiracy theories throughout american history um well not even just american history but um pretty much world renowned conspiracies that uh we'll kind of give an overview about and then dive more into our own opinions and what we feel without further ado ben how you doing bud well, it's a great day for young nostalgia, I can tell you that. <laughs> Every <laughs> week, man. Every week. It's glad to hear it. Um, so let's get let's dive straight in. And uh, what are you bringing to us as our first of three conspiracies today? Okay, right off the bat, we're probably going to start with the craziest one on the list. Um, I'm sure everyone has heard of the lizard people. <laughs> um <clears throat> This uh, theory, this conspiracy theory, really kind of got started with a BBC sports reporter named David Ike, um, and he claims that uh, there are quote blood drinking, flesh eating, shape shifting extraterrestrial reptilian humanoids with only one objective in their cold blooded little heads to enslave <laughs> the human race. <laughs> like. Oh my gosh, it, it, it gets better before we get it, before we talk about our opinions. Um, so how deep does this really go? Oh my goodness! I mean, there's supposedly everyone in positions of power or celebrities or any. I mean, basically anyone that you would see on the news or there being news about. There's probably someone out there who thinks that they're part of the lizard people. <laughs> um, and kind of moving forward a little bit we have uh you know more on the the uh david ike's uh proposition um that humanity has been genetically manipulated by the babylonian brotherhood which is just you know kind of getting more in depth to to this lizard people culture um he also believes that that uh, of course there are prominent and famous people throughout the decades um and that they're actually Behind some of the, uh, I don't really want to say famous, but uh, very historical uh, events in history, uh, especially dark events like the Holocaust, uh, the Oklahoma City bombings, um, 9/11 attacks, um, and you know, just just to start with, I mean, basically every big attack or tragedy or anything like that is supposedly um, put forward by these lizard people. <laughs> I, I was I was reading a little bit on this, <clears throat> and like the origins of these lizard or reptilian people date way back, before like, you know, time was time. Right. And these alienoids just like came to Earth, wanting to harvest like a precious mineral that doesn't even exist because like it's a, it's like this gold metal, but the state that this gold metal exists in is actually the only state that wa- like gas can exist in. So it's like they're they're trying to connect this m- mineral that these alienoids wanted 
from a mineral that never even existed. <laughs> and so they breeded with the humanoids to improve our species to be able to live on Earth pretty much. You know, I don't want to, you know, for fear of interjecting my opinion um, too early into this topic, <laughs> um, but how convenient it is that, you know, supposedly the whole idea behind these people is that they're searching for some sort of element that we can't find or prove that actually is there. <laughs> you know what, what I mean? <laughs> no, like, what do you mean by, well, like, I mean, how... like, that's very convenient for the theor- the theorist that, you know, saying, okay, that that's what they're, that's what they're here to do. They're in search of this, um, theoretical, um, element. And, you know, when you say, okay, well, what is it? You know, where can we find some for proof? <laughs> oh, well, it doesn't really exist in a way that we can see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it now. So, so that, that's why that's why these rep- reptiles exist, because they're the ones to be able to find it. Exactly. And so it kind of loops <laughs> back onto itself. You know, it's, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um you know, kind of moving a little bit more into uh, or about um, Ike, uh, for a short period of of his life, um, interesting enough, he he only wore turquoise. That's all he would wear is turquoise. <laughs> the reason behind that, you know, I have no idea, but that <laughs> that's that's what he did. And around the same time, he actually um, insisted that uh, people call him. Uh, Son of Godhead. (laughs) You know, for the most part, there's a lot of conspiracies out there that have, you know, even if you have to kind of think outside the box, you know, there's kind of a a backstory that you can kind of sort of get behind. But this thing just gets weirder and weirder, you know? I know. And maybe if the guy who had proposed it wasn't so just nuts, I don't know. (laughs) Same thing. I'm probably putting my opinion a little early in there, but I don't know. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's just so weird because, you know, where do these beliefs, like, like where do these beliefs lie to be able to come up with such a weird conspiracy? Because a lot of times, like, he wrote about it in books, mm-hmm. and throughout the '90s, this is when it, the the lizard people conspiracy by David Ike really kind of came to fruition. Because um, one of the books that he published was The Biggest Secret, and it kind of laid out how these lizard people came to be from their beginnings, mm-hmm. and how they got into such prominent and famous people throughout the decades. Right, and I, I'm just. You know, even just looking at that, like he wrote this book, The Biggest Secret, about, you know, what the lizard people are here for, how what their origins are. I'm just curious how he would know that. I don't know. Did Maybe they, like, contact him and say, hey, please write this book that tells everyone about all of us? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm guessing he kind of, like, tried to read between the lines in the way of, now, what do these different famous people have in common to be able to have one goal together because the biggest thing about the reptiles i mean he even designed what their government was like it was like this fascist government Mm -hmm. that the reptiles believed in which he called the anunnaki yeah the the anunnaki 
yeah, th- that's what the reptiles were called. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting enough how these Anunnaki actually inhibited like Queen Elizabeth, George W. Bush, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Bob Hope, like people who were just prominent both in government and anything else. Mm-hmm. It really, so, really anyone who has any sort of influence at all, whether it's judicial or just media influence. Yeah, I mean, a, a way to have these reptiles be able to hold so much power to kind of further rep- the reptilian, I don't know, beliefs or the way that... Agenda, I guess. Yeah, like yeah. like how how can these Anunnaki form the world <laughs> around them to go in one direction that they want the, like, the world to go in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. My goodness. Uh, and then, of course, you know... It seems like it, it always, no matter what you're talking about, it always circles back around to this. But a lot of the people who are with this conspiracy theory also link it to the Freemasons and the Illuminati. <laughs> well, you know how people, uh, what, what is it? Like there's a saying where it's like you always try to explain something that you don't understand in a in a, in a way that makes sense <laughs> to you. Right, and that's, I mean, that's kind of the the basis of a lot of, you know, ancient civilizations and all that stuff. There's a lot of things that, you know, that's how a lot of the, you know, ancient mythology and all that stuff came about is because, you know, people naturally try to come up with a reason, you know, why something happens, whether it's uh, natural events or not. You know, they have to come up with something just to, to make sense of it. And I guess this is no exception really you know yeah. stuff that people somebody doesn't understand and so they come up with a way of somehow uh, rationalizing it yep and and it's just like how to get people on board is is bizarre to me yeah yeah i mean i i, I just i don't i can't really envision any point in my life where i would be in a situation where i would start looking at this and be like hmm you know maybe that's true <laughs> well the, the interesting <laughs> thing is is that the, a big part of this lizard people is their ability to shapeshift yeah well yeah that's true because i mean they, they they came here as as lizard reptilian beings but were able to combine genetically with the humanoid and so they're able to live on through the generations because they can become one of us quote unquote yeah <laughs> uh. I don't know. It seems like this particular one. There's always one little piece of piece of the conspiracy that seems to kind of account for everything. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like someone just went through, you know, the whole theory and was just like, okay, how how would I try to bust this theory? Okay, I'll come up with this. You know, shape shifting. Okay, they can shape shift. That's why no one <laughs> <Yeah>. can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say that neither you or me is a lizard. So, uh, well, I guess you, c- you can't be too sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Let's move on. Now, a lot of us would, uh, be able to recognize and, and, and talk about this one. So we're actually going to talk about the John F. Kennedy assassination. So some background, um, president John F. Kennedy was assassinated by gunfire as he traveled in a motorcade in an open-top limousine down in Dallas, Texas, on Friday, November 22nd of 1963. Texas Governor John Connolly was also wounded during the shooting, but survived as he was sitting in front of JFK at the time. So, 
<coughs> a little bit more of the background. So this is kind of where the conspiracy th- uh, starts. So when Jack Ruby actually shot Lee Harvey Oswald uh, while he was being detained, um, compounded initial suspicions. Uh, so among conspiracy theorists, um, Mark Lane has been described as writing, quote, the first literary shot, end quote, with his article, Defense Brief of Oswald, on December 19th, 1963. So what ended up happening is that Thomas Buchanan's Who Killed Kennedy, published um, a year later in May 1964, has been credited as the first book actually alleging a conspiracy. So really what the conspiracy was is that there was either multiple shooters or people behind the shooting like the CIA or the mafia or Mm -hmm. the FBI, um, like all of these people to be able to be on the same page to create a you know, kind of a a blurry image of what the JFK assassination was. Right. And this is one of those ones where there's not, it's not a clearly defined conspiracy theory, really. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's, it's the theory itself is more that what it's not about what actually happened. It's what didn't happen. It's the, the, all the theories kind of branch out stemming from, you know, the, just Oswald um, shooting the president, and that's it. You know, that's kind of where it stems from. It, it, people don't believe that it was just Oswald just shooting the president. And then it goes off in a bunch of different directions from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, <coughs> with, you know, multiple shooters or just the reasoning behind the shooting. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways that it kind of goes. Yeah. And, I mean... It, when you look into the theory itself, there's a lot of questions that are raised, which, again, lead to people building conspiracy uh, because of the way the Warren Commission kind of handled the investigation, the way that, um, you know, witnesses were interviewed, the documents and tapes were released. Like, things just didn't add up to a cohesive conclusion, even though, you know, a big group like the Warren Commission came to this conclusion. A lot of people believed it because the Warren Commission that did the investigation said this was the conclusion. Mm-hmm. But over the years, it's changed a little bit. Right. And, you know, even as as, uh, as early as um, 1979, um, there was a special uh, a committee, United States House Select Committee on Assassinations, and they kind of looked back on the Warren Commission and they kind of looked at the 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 methodology of you know of the Warren Commission. They saw that it was it just was done terrible. Like you kind of like you hit on a little uh, a little bit ago. You know the 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 interviews were bad. There was so much so many flaws in just the overall research that you know it it just couldn't couldn't have been taken you know 100 percent seriously um you know something like that you know as big as that the assassination of a president i mean the investigation into that you know has to be you know on the scientific level and the house select committee on assassinations you know it it found that it just it just wasn't up to you know it wasn't up to standards yeah So, so if we back up a little bit, um, kind of diving into the questions that brought the conspiracy along. So in 1964, this is when the Warren Commission concluded that Oswald acted alone and that no credible evidence supported the contention that he was involved with a conspiracy to assassinate the president, i.e. multiple people mm-hmm. um, 
involved with the assassination. So during the trial of Clay Shaw in 1969, uh, the New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison actually challenged the single bullet theory uh, with evidence from the Zapruder film, which he claimed indicated that a fourth shot from the grassy knoll was responsible for Kennedy's fatal head wound. So the Zapruder film was actually one of the most key evidence in the Warren Commission. So this was actually a color camcorder caught on the grassy knoll from Abraham Zapruder, and he was actually elevated and could see the motorcade when it turned on to the boulevard and actually captured like 400 or 500 some frames from when the shots were fired and you could see Kennedy getting hit and the motorcade speeding off. Mm -hmm. So it was really key in the investigation of this. And just to kind of describe what the single bullet theory is, also known as the magic bullet. So the bullet actually passed through the president, um, through his neck, and into Governor Colony's, uh, Governor Connolly's chest and wrist and embedded itself into the governor's thigh. So now picture this. So if this bullet actually was magic like that and did what it you know the investigation came out to be it traversed 15 layers of clothing seven layers of skin and approximately 15 inches of tissue struck a necktie knot removed four inches of rib and shattered a radius bone before coming lodged into the thigh of governor Connolly. that's a lot yeah that is a lot to go through i mean if you think about it so the shot kind of came in behind kennedy mm-hmm. and did all this damage but there's four shots that were fired total yeah, I don't, you know, I don't specifically know where the other three ended up. Um, I believe there was at least one um, that went through the interior of the uh, of the car. Um, yeah, I think you're right. But you know, through invest, you know, investigation, it they did. You know, this the single magic bullet. I mean, it does, for the most part, line up with a single trajectory, which, uh. <laughs> which you know, even if, you know, even if it wasn't a single bullet, it would make sense that it was coming from a, you know, a single point. Yeah, in, in an elevated position at that, too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um. You know, kind of going off the Zapruder film a little bit, um, there's also, interesting enough, I've seen, I've read about it before, and I believe I have seen um, shows about it, how there is a woman in this in this film seen on either uh, on the other side of the motorcade, motorcade or on the grassy knoll. I cannot remember which. Um, but she's kind of been dubbed the Babushka woman. Uh, because she looked like she was dressed in a very um, Eastern Europe- European garb with the coat and like the flowery shawl um, over her head. And that was kind of a big thing is trying to find out who this woman was um, because she would have been a terrific witness. I mean, she was probably the closest person um, to the motorcade, uh, the closest witness. And that was a big thing for a long time is to find out who that woman was. And I don't believe that was it was ever actually um, discovered um, uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't think you're I, I don't think she has either because I was reading into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and it, I mean, it just like all of that brings in questions because 
you know, that could have been a missing piece. You're right, or, exactly. Or, like, I know we talked about, you know, earlier in a couple episodes how they just released the entirety, most of it, of the documents that included the investigation into the JFK assassination back in October. But they still, you know, have blocked out certain bits and pieces that could um, jeopardize national security or something like that. But, you know, the government could say, they could stretch the truth of saying this could, like, hinder national security if we keep it in there so they could block it out and we would never even know what it actually is. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that base, that excuse has basically been the cop-out for years and years and years. <laughs> Anytime there isn't any sort of information released, it's always because, oh, it is a matter of national security. Well, yeah. is it all of the time? <laughs> Probably no. <laughs> <laughs> Just to wrap this conspiracy up and kind of keep you guys questioning if you guys want to look more into this. Um, so the House Select Committee on Assassinations that Ben talked about, um, actually through their... Uh, conclusion they actually uh, there was actually four shots that were fired with a high probability that two gunmen fired at the president and the conspiracy was probable not that it actually happened but that it was probable they're just saying um, that it's you know it, it could have happened you know it, it, they they really couldn't tell either way as well exactly exactly it, it, almost like well we talked about the investigation being so flawed it left open holes for this to possibly happen because um Nothing was really crossed, you know. T's weren't crossed, I's weren't dotted all the way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. All right, go ahead. Well, let's move on to the last conspiracy theory of the day, and this one is maybe one of the biggest ones of all time. Um, that is, of course, uh, NASA faking the moon landing. Um, the most notable claim um, you know this is another one where it just kind of it kind of there's the initial theory and then it kind of spreads out Um, the most notable claim is that the six manned moon missions um, from spanning from 1969 to 72 um, were faked and that the 12 Apollo astronauts did not actually walk on the moon Various groups and individuals have made claims since the 1970s that NASA and others knowingly misled the public into believing the landings happened um, by manufacturing, tampering with, or destroying evidence including photos, uh, telemetry tapes, radio, uh, television transmissions, um, moon rock samples, and key witnesses. Basically anything that has to do with the moon um, they think that it was uh, totally manufactured um, to fool the public. Now, I mean, my friend and I were talking about this just the other day because I told them what our topic was going to be about. And our biggest hurdle that we can't get over is the amount of people that have to be in on this conspiracy to it to, like, to be pulled off. Because, I mean, we've talked about Walter Cronkite. Like, he would have had to been in it because he covered the dang thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everyone, the the hundreds and thousands of people that just, you know, working for NASA worked on this project, you'd have to find a way to keep absolutely every one of them quiet. Yeah, and even then, it's like, why would the Russians be in on it to be able to, 
believe that we won the space race. Oh, yeah. They would do because everything they, in their power to make us look dumb. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And oh, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and if you think about it, you know how you know the big thing is, is that we have more technology in our iPhones today than what got us to the moon. So you think they have editing and video software to make us believe that we landed on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, that's uh, that that is true. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's there is so many um, flaws with the theory um, on this one, and you know, it, you know, as a listener, if you uh, if you can't tell, um, we both believe that they were not faked. Um, (laughs) um, but uh there was an early the the very early and influential book about the subject of moon landing conspiracy um we never went to the moon america's 30 billion dollar swindle was self-published in 1976 by bill casing and a little bit more background on that book uh, the book claims that the chance of a successful manned landing on the moon was calculated to be 0.0017%, um, and that despite close monitoring by the USSR, it would have been easier for NASA to fake the moon landings than to really go there. I don't know. I mean, yeah. When it, when it comes to NASA and the way that they do math, I think they know all the probabilities but that's why it's like, okay, so the successful moon landing is that percentage. But then what can they do to make sure that it becomes more successful? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, who knows what the, you know, if, if this guy, Bill Casing, you know, who knows what variables, you know, were in his calculations? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know his, you know, the extreme background of his life. I am willing to bet that NASA kind of knows what to expect in a moon landing mission um, more so than Bill Casing. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just, because, I mean, they were, obviously they were already in, it's not like there was absolutely no space program at all. And then they just decided, boom, okay, we're going to the moon. Well, yeah, yeah. See, and that's why I can kind of concede and and understand why people could believe this conspiracy because, in the fact of ten years, we went from no satellites to we're on the moon already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, I I do understand that. I mean, there was a very short period of time. What I was saying is that there was somewhat of a build up to it. It's not like, you know, we just decided and then that was the very first mission was to the moon. Oh. I see, I see, yeah. You know, there was a buildup, so there was the trial and error. There was the exploration um, that came first and, you know, the learning process before, you know, the sites were actually set on the moon. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Which, uh, you know, has to play into that, you know, quote-unquote, quote, probabli- probability. Um, you know, I mean, the more experience that you have with anything, the, that probability of of a, a successful landing, it's going to, it's going to go, you know, nowhere to go, but up. Yeah. Yep. Um, later on, uh, about four years after this book was published, um, in 1980, the flat earth society, which is, that's a whole nother topic we could cover someday. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> the Flat Earth Society accused NASA of faking the landings, arguing that they were staged in a Hollywood uh, soundstage with Walt Disney sponsorship. Um based on a script by Arthur C. Clarke and directed by Stanley Kubrick. I'd watch that movie. Well, we already have every time, you know, you Google moon landing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, this just adds another piece into the puzzle where it's like, how many people do you have to have on board to be able to capture this fake moon landing? I mean, Walt Disney himself... You almost have to yeah. pay him more than he would pay to sponsor it. Well, yeah. Oh, definitely. And then all the people working under them, the 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 stagehands, the crew. I mean, you know, supposedly, you know, if it was faked, you there would definitely be some sort of w- at least one witness, you know, people working there that would come out and say, look, you know, this is how it was faked. This It was faked and this is how we did it, you know? I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I am, I'm not gonna say i'm not gonna sit here and say that there probably hasn't been anyone that came out and say that but there's a lot of crazy people in the world who say things just to say things and (laughs) if there was any sort of you know substantial um credible uh witness with evidence you know there would there would be so much more publicity about it oh most definitely as of yet there's been you know, if we're talking about really substantial, credible evidence, there's really been nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> and, you know, kind of moving back with, you're talking about evidence a little bit. I mean, there's been third-party evidence, you know, that's not associated with the government and not associated with NASA. Um, you know, it, it, it exists. It's out there. Um as well as detailed rebuttals to the hoax, uh, you know, be, the hoax being made. Um, since the late 2000s, we've had high-definition photos um, taken by the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter of the Apollo landing of the Apollo landing sites um, that have captured the lunar modules um, and the tracks left over by the astronauts. Um, in 2012, images were released showing five of the six Apollo missions' American flags erected on the moon, and they were still standing. Um, the exception, of course, is the, the first one, Apollo 11, um, which was blown down uh, upon takeoff from the rocket's exhaust thrust. But that's really the, the clencher to the whole thing, is that, you know, there might be all this, the theories and everything behind it, but there's evidence, pictures, high-definition pictures that have been taken of it, not by NASA itself. Yeah, I mean, th- third-party people that were interested in either just knowing or proving that we have been there. Yeah, I mean, you know, say, okay, I'm sure NASA has released images. I'm not saying that at all. But if it was only them, okay, you know, it might look a little fishy. But, you know, other other uh, governing bodies, other... Um, other space programs have, you know, released images showing this these things. And what what do they have to prove, you know, by supporting the Americans on the moon? You know? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it doesn't... 
you know, the evidence really doesn't get any better than that. Oh. Than, you know, evidence from a uh, a non-involved third party. <laughs> um, even with all of that, of course, uh, you know, it, the, the theory itself has still lasted, you know, 40 years. Um, and there's been opinion polls taken, uh, you know, at varying locations um, throughout the world, in the United States and throughout the world, um, that they always show between 6 and 20% of Americans um, think that it was faked or have doubt that it actually happened. I guess that'd be a better way of saying it. Um, 25% of Britons, uh, 28% of Russians um, believed that the moon landing was faked. Now, I think that's so interesting how the Russians have the highest percentage. It is interesting, but I have to say that it's not unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, especially just because of the, the, the space race in general. Right, of course there's going to be a lot of people who, you know, I'm sure there's people still alive. Oh, of course there's people still alive in <laughs> Russia that remember this. What am I saying? Um, you know, and they're thinking... They're, in their thought process, you know, Russia is, uh, or at the time, Soviet Union was, um, it was the best there was. It was, you know, if, if we don't make it there, then no one else possibly can make it there. And so I'm sure that that's still, you know, ingrained in their minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. People get really bent out of shape about this one, and it kind of grinds my gears. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, just imagine, you know, in our lifetime, we might be on Mars, and the same thing might come about. Oh, that's true. I never even thought about it that way. Yeah. Because, I mean, if something seems so far-fetched right now in 2017, it might be hard to believe that we'll actually make it to Mars. Yeah. I mean, it could be the same thing as um, the moon missions. You know, it could be declared and less than 10 years later it could have happened say that happens right now and less than 10 years from now there's a man on mars well you know darn well there's going to be people out there who don't believe it actually happened oh yeah oh yeah and yeah, then I, uh, that's a good point i never thought of that <laughs> it's weird it's just going to be an endless cycle yeah you know but, okay uh, it's gonna 100 years from now we're going to be going to pluto and no one's going to believe it <laughs> hey that's not a planet no that's true no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then, and then, and then it's going to cycle all the way back. And then there's going to be people having a podcast talking about our podcast, how we felt that we could land on the on, on Mars. Yeah, there's going to be a podcast that's solely focused around how wrong Young Nostalgia is. <laughs> <laughs> to those future podcasts, you suck. Anyway, that's a wrap. <laughs> Thank you again for joining. <laughs> Thank you again for joining Young Nostalgia this week as we continue our journey through retro pop culture. As always, if you enjoy the show, leave a kind review on iTunes or wherever you listen. And again, we are now on Spotify. Super excited. So if you got a future topic or you'd like to be a guest, give Ben and I an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. Find our streaming site at podbean. That's podbean.com. 
uh, youngnostalgia.podbean.com, and you'll find our Facebook and Twitter banners on there as well. I think this show was a lot of fun to do, and we have a few more conspiracies in our back pocket that we might bring you in the next couple of weeks. Ben, anything else, big guy? Uh, only that, you know, same thing. I'll just kind of parrot it that that was a fun show, and I kind of hope we uh, hit some more popular conspiracies in the future. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's it's fun to talk about them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let's get listeners' feedback. So give us a review and let us know what you think. Anyway. <laughs> Might have opened <laughs> ourselves up for uh, some heat on that one. Hey, hey, Bunch come on. Conspiracy this is, this theorists. Is... <laughs> <laughs> we'll just delete their reviews. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> we wouldn't do that. We, we accept all <laughs> feedback, good or bad. Anyway, <laughs> as we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody.